This is the global youth culture. We've been lied to. We've been told there's nothing certain beyond the things that we consume. God is on a mission and his heart is broken for this lost generation. The message of his love, the gospel, is for everyone. This is our mission, to lift up the cross outside the church. To see this generation find hope and purpose again as it meets the Creator. And through this, to radically and eternally change the world. The SMS is a 10-week school for people who want to reach the global youth culture. If people go away knowing how to seek God, how to ask Him about every single part of their life, then we've succeeded. What I want for each student is that they would be completely transformed and then together we will change the world. The 10-week Steiger Mission School is our initiative to mobilize the next generation to relevantly reach the global youth culture. The school combines three key elements, seeking God, teaching from experts from the field, and opportunities for practical engagement, including weekly outreaches to Dresden and to Amsterdam. One of the tools that, that God has given us is art. Whether it's music, dance, theater, painting, anything. We can use our art, we can use all of that for ourselves or for commercial success, but there is a, a world out there that needs to be drawn to Jesus through art. And, and when you're in an international group like we are, it's an iron sharpens iron thing. And we change if we're willing to learn. And it's an incredible way to reach the global youth culture. I was still struggling with, um, with my identity, knowing really who I was in God, uh, what was my purpose, and how could me, Alexey, be involved or have an impact in this society. Not only this uh, school has shown me what I could do with my gifts, but it really showed me who I was in God. You have the opportunity to, to grow in your, in your gifting and even discover uh, maybe new gifts or maybe new passions that you have never had the chance to uh, evolve into. I thought that I have a right uh, opinion about God, but when I came here I realized that all I knew about God was my small box. But sometimes when you travel to a different continent or to a different country and you see all these different people and you understand that your view on God was small. So if you want to know God more, if you want your faith to be radical, come to the school. I would encourage people who, who have a passion to reach out for people um, in any, any kind of scene, just to come here and discover who they are in Christ and what, are, what is their potential in, in their gifting. God first called me to Amsterdam. That's where I met my wife. Our two sons were born in Amsterdam, just outside of the red light district in Amsterdam. And uh, it's a very cynical city where most people think that Jesus is just a dead tradition. You know, there's a lot of big, beautiful churches there. And uh, people have this idea that Jesus is this dead tradition that has no relevance to their life. And, uh, and so we felt called to reach the young people in the city that would never come to church, which was pretty much everyone. 
all the young people in the city and especially the anarchists and the punks. And so I was thinking, how are we going to reach these people that have such a negative idea about you? And so we spent a lot of all night prayer meetings in the forest, crying out to God. It was during this time I felt like I should start a band as a way of going to their clubs and showing them who Jesus is. At the same time, we started a church in an old barge behind the central train station. And the address was Steiger 14, which means Pier 14 in Dutch. And now it's grown into this, this thing I didn't expect. We're, we are really uh, a global mission now. And the whole point of this mission is to reach this global youth culture, which has been raised on pornography, who believes that, that uh, uh, truth is, is, there's no objective truth, that it's just what you feel. That's what, what, it doesn't matter what anyone believes as long as it's what you feel. And uh, where now suicide is on an epidemic, it's epidemic all over the world. Now in the U.S., it's the second leading cause of death for young people, suicide. And I know in New Zealand, it's been that way. It's been a big problem for a while. Now this is a worldwide thing. And uh, you have more, people are more, more isolated. So, you know, you go to a cafe and people aren't talking to each other anymore. They're on their phones. You know what I'm talking about? And it's this isolation. So we're more connected, but more isolated and more lonely. And now you have an epidemic of loneliness as well. I was talking to someone in Auckland and they were, they were telling me how there's so many people living alone now in their, in their apartments. Their best friend is their television set or their cat. And uh, so we have a, um, this, this, this broken generation that needs to hear about Jesus. And so that's what, who we're called to. I have some books here. Um, this one is like the band. That was amazing, the band, wherever the band is. Where is the band? Are they, where are they? They gone? Did they leave? What are they doing back there? Come out here. Are they coming? What are you doing back there? Go down there. Why are you back there? You have to go down there. Come on. Oh, you're... <laughs> All right, go back there and watch. Well, anyway, I was going to say how great the band was, but anyway... <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That's a new one. So I have a book, 10... Uh, revolutionary, I forgot what the title was. Ten Principles That Will Empower Christian Artists to Change the World. So the band definitely needs to get that book. Um, this, this one is called Rock Priest. It's how we started. Um, the first chapter is when uh, we were playing in Russia and people were spitting all over me. And uh, now this, in fact, right now we have a, a team in Moscow. We're having a Steiger seminar in Moscow and, we're, and people are out in the streets right now doing preaching on the streets, which is completely against the law. And on any weekend, we have people in 20 cities all over Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan. It's amazing. Uh, and this is a book my son wrote, Jesus in the Secular World. So uh, Ben, my son Ben, so I encourage you to get that. We have a podcast. Um, and you so it's on iTunes, Provoke and Inspire. So if you want to know more about this, you should, you should check out our podcast. That's Chad Johnson. He was working with Tooth & Nail Records in Nashville. He's worked with a lot of big bands. And uh, that is Luke Greenwood. He's our international 
European director. That's my son, Ben. And that's a homeless person that they're trying to help. And uh, <clears throat> so we talk about, for example, last week we had Brian Head Welsh from Corn on our podcast. Who we like, we do stuff with him, like Corn will play. I don't know if you know who Corn is, but anyway, they're they're pretty. They're really big in the '90s. But they're, for example, like they were playing in Tokyo, and then afterwards uh, we organized this event where all these Corn fans came to this, this uh, movie theater, and then Brian gave his testimony, and so all these crazy Japanese corn fans gave their life to Jesus. And in June, I'm doing a speaking tour in Japan. And uh, I think uh, we're gonna see some pretty cool things happen there. And uh, we also have, uh, in a couple weeks, I think we're having Cy Rogers, who talks about the whole uh, transgender confusion thing. He's uh, probably one of the best speakers in the world on this subject. And uh, so if you're just feeling a burden for how do we communicate to a world, the kind of world we live in today, you need to check out our podcast. Um, this morning, I played the, the video of our tour that we did in Colombia. And so I thought tonight I would play the video of uh, the summer tour we had in Europe. And so uh, if we can play that. said, can you stop the show because uh, uh, Imam is singing his prayer to his God. And I said, no, we doesn't want to, to stop the show because we are worshiping our God. And then he, it was a man inside of the crowd with a knife and he was uh, showing to the people and he was making scare them. But I told and I spoke with the policeman, he take this man and put away and the show was going normally. No longer music is not just music. In the drama we have the message. In this tour we have shaken Albania even in the Ramadan month with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything was going you know pretty smoothly and then all of a sudden just before the show was supposed to start, this gigantic thunderstorm came in. But the crazy thing is, people still stayed, and then all of a sudden the generator went out. And so I thought, well, we still have to preach. So I got one of our guys to get a, a torch, and we went over there, like underneath this building, and we explained who Jesus is. People prayed to receive Jesus. God showed us that the power is not just in the show, but the power is in the message of, of the cross. And I forgot to mention, the biggest television station in Hungary came and did a live interview with Ben and I. And we were able to share in a very natural way uh, the gospel on the biggest secular Hungary uh, television station in Hungary. God used this show in ways that we didn't expect. It wasn't easy, but sometimes it's not easy. We just need to be faithful. Even though the power is out, really, the power is still here. <laughs> it's in my heart. And in their heart, and in the music, I don't know, I, I really love it. <laughs> 
I think art is supposed to have a message. You know, I think that's why we do what we do, because we're passionate about something, we want to tell something. Because I see a world that's just falling apart, and I think that's because they've been told they're an accident. You know, that life has no real meaning. Some millions of years ago there was an explosion and now we're here for no reason. And so I just have to do the best to fill this emptiness that I feel. We are made for a relationship with God, not for these material things. And so that's our message. We want to share this hope that you're made to know Jesus. Not some religion, but a real relationship, like a friend, like a father. How many people here tonight want what I'm talking about? You want to have this peace in your life. This this message was it? Is it something that you had heard before, or how how did that impact you? Before not, really not. Yeah, I don't hear this thing. Yeah. I go a drink, I do problems. Yeah, I'm all the time alone. I don't talk to the girls, you know. But from today, I wanna do it really. <laughs> uświęceniem, ale żeby to odczuć, no ja osobiście jeszcze jakby nie doświadczyłam takiego... Aż do tego momentu, no. naprawdę. Bo czuć było ciary, że tak. te słowa dochodzą po prostu do człowieka. Myślę, że dało mi to do myślenia, żeby pomyśleć nad jakąś, jakąkolwiek decyzją związaną z tym, co dzisiaj do mnie docierało. Co, przed przedstawieniem w ogóle nie wierzyłeś w Boga? Ja ogólnie przychodząc tutaj kłóciłem się właśnie z moim kolegą właśnie na temat Boga. Jak możesz cały czas o tym mówić? Jak dopiero dzisiaj odkryłem takie coś po prostu, nie? Jak mam być szczery, to ja nawet nie wiem jak się modlić. A w pewnym momencie zacząłem mówić po prostu do Boga. Zrożyliście mi drogę. To, to było potwierdzenie. Drogi Ojcze. Drogi Ojcze. Dziękuję, że dałeś nam swojego syna. Dziękuję, że dałeś nam swojego syna. Jezusa Chrystusa. Jezusa Chrystusa. Który umarł za mnie na krzyżu. Który umarł za mnie na krzyżu. Za wszystkie moje grzechy. Za wszystkie moje grzechy. I przepraszam cię za nie, wybacz mi. Przepraszam cię za nie, wybacz mi. I proszę cię, zaadoptuj mnie do swojego królestwa. Proszę, zaadoptuj mnie do swojego królestwa. Jak swojego syna. Jak swojego syna. I zapisz moje imię. Zapisz moje imię. Księdze żywota wiecznego. Księdze żywota wiecznego. It's amazing how powerful Jesus is. And uh, when, you, when you get serious about following him, he asks you to do things that, that you never thought you would be doing. And, and that, I mean, if I were, someone were to tell me that I would be doing anything that I'm doing now, when I was in, in school, when I was in university, I wouldn't have believed him in a hundred years. Uh, it's, a, it's just incredible what Jesus does when, when you surrender your life to him. 
a couple weeks ago, I was in, I was in transit or I was flying, what, in transit? Is that what you say? I was flying from one place to another. <laughs> so I was at the Auckland uh, airport and um, so I'm waiting for my next flight and I saw this really tough looking dude, you know, he had a full uh, tattoo on his face and really he looked like he was a gangster or something. And I thought, man, that's a cool looking guy. And I walked by and then I felt like God said to me, go talk to that guy about Jesus. And I'm like, no, I don't think I want to. And I, <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't get this. I couldn't get the, the thought out of, out of my head, you know? So I'm like, well, where is he? You know? And he was sitting at this. So he went, he, he sat by himself at this coffee shop and, uh, there was no natural way to do it. You know, I thought, well, I don't care. Forget it. So I just went over and I sat with him at his table and he's looking at me and I'm like, so, uh, God wants me to talk to you. <laughs> and he's going like, that. and I said, so I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Is that all right? And he goes, so I started telling him about Jesus, how he was in an accident, how the, all the th things that he's been feeling matter, how, how God created him. I just told him about Jesus. And then I said, can I pray with you? And he goes, so I put my hand on his shoulder and I prayed with him. And you could just feel the power of the Holy Spirit. In our, you know, and, and I have to tell you, it's not that hard. We just need to tell people about Jesus. It's, there's a reason why so many people don't know about Jesus in New Zealand. It's because we don't tell them. And because we, we believe this lie, we, you can't do it. You know, anytime that, that I'm in a situation where um, I'm feeling like I should talk to somebody about Jesus, all these voices in my head tell me why I shouldn't do it. You know, I can do everything else. But the minute it's about telling somebody about Jesus, all these voices in my head tell me not to do it. And we need to, we need to get out. We need to get out on the streets. We need to go out and tell people about Jesus. But the minute you do that, you confront spiritual powers and principalities. And the reason that, that so, so often I don't do this is because I don't have an understanding about who Jesus really is. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. Who is Jesus really? In Matthew 16, 5, there's a story about, I'll just read it. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourself about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it? that you don't understand that I wasn't talking to you about bread. Jesus was saying, I think what he was saying is this, I know, I know that you need to eat. I know that you need to pay your bills. I know you need to pay your rent. But this is not the purpose of your life. 
Why are you still talking to me about bread? When you are my follower, this is not the purpose of your life. It's not just to survive. When I become a follower of Jesus, I was created for something eternal, something important. You know, when we were in our mother's womb, we were created for good works in advance and good works by definition are things of significance. I don't have to pray and, and ask God if people here that are here tonight were created to do something significant. I know that every single one of us were. Every one of us here is created for something important. But we need to understand who Jesus is. He wants to use us. He wants to do things, supernatural things in our lives. To be a follower of Jesus has always been a supernatural life. And, it, you know, this isn't just my words. This is what Jesus himself said. In John 14, 12, he said, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, I think that this um, verse has been misused by some, some people. I don't think it means, God, I want a Mercedes. You know, God, I really, would I really want a Mercedes. So you cut out a picture of a Mercedes and you put it on the refrigerator. God, give me a Mercedes. That's not what Jesus meant. He meant prayers that will bring glory to God. Now, I don't think I've ever done anything with 100% pure motive. There's so much of my ego, so much of my pride, my selfish ambition. You know, sometimes I think I'm doing things for God, and then he shows me my heart, and then I have to repent, you know. And so I don't think I've ever done anything with a 100% pure motive. But I believe this. If at the core of it, if at the core of it, despite all of my, my pride and everything, if at the core of it, I want to glorify God, I can ask for anything, and he will do it. It's like when I started out in ministry, and I got the idea, a friend, we were in Europe, I was in Europe, and, and I, just, I felt like God wanted me to, to hitchhike down to Montenegro. At that time, it was Yugoslavia, and uh, we thought, it, a friend and I, we thought it would be cool if we could join the, the Yugoslavian army to talk to, to, the, to the guys about, about Jesus. You know, so, so we hitchhiked down to Montenegro and uh, we went up to the commandant and we said, hello, we would like to join the Yugoslavian army. And the guy goes, Get out of here. You can't join the Yugoslavian army. You're a foreigner. Go away. So we went away. God, get us into the Yugoslavian army. I mean, it was crazy. It was impossible. God, you can do it. We go, we go back the next day. Hello, we're back. We, we would like to be in the Yugoslavian army. Get out of here. So I go and my friend goes, we have to fast and pray. And I hate fasting. But it, so we're... Fasting and praying, God, get us into the Yugoslavian army. It was a crazy thing to pray. Foolish, impossible. 
But all I can tell you is that one day, it was five o'clock in the morning, and I had on a Yugoslavian army uniform. We were raising the Yugoslavian flag, five o'clock in the morning, singing the Yugoslavian national anthem. Hey, Sloveni, I'm driving a Yugoslavian army jeep. I was in the Yugoslavian army. Now, these, are, these men are tough men. I mean, these are the kind of guys that have to shave three times a day. They're like Bernie. Fur is just growing out of them everywhere. They got to shave everywhere. They have like a unibrow. And these guys, and they didn't, they didn't breathe any air that wasn't going through a cigarette. So as soon as they'd wake up on their bunks, they'd be smoking. You know, so we're, so we're thinking, how are we going to talk to these men about Jesus? And my friend said, we should buy a bunch of cigarettes. So we went and we bought all these cigarettes. And then we took these little no, uh, pieces of paper and wrote a little note. And we wrote John 3, 16 and 17 on this little note. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. And we wrote that in Croatian. And we put the little Bible note verse on the cigarette. And then we passed out cigarettes to everyone in the camp. Cigarette evangelism. <laughs> Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Colossians 1.15. The son Jesus is the, in, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy." For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So, you know, when these beautiful nights that you have here, beautiful nights where you can look up and see the stars, and they keep developing stronger and stronger telescopes so they can see, you know, the immensity of the universe. It's so big. It's beyond anything we comp can comprehend. Jesus himself holds the universe together with his power. And when you look at the microscopic world, the in, the in, how intricate it is, how amazing it is, Jesus himself holds the invisible together with his power. He's against all principalities, all political systems, all corrupt things. There is, there is no government. There's no power. There is nothing, nothing in the whole, nothing that we can comprehend that is more powerful than Jesus. And then he says something to us that is so unbelievably profound. He says in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So, if I'm going for a walk with my wife, Jody, or with one of my sons, and I'm walking, I'm walking with my wife, 
And, and so we're together and we go, Jesus, we want to spend time with you now. We want to talk with you. Jesus himself is there in our midst. Not the Jesus, not a piece of jewelry that you wear around your neck, but the Jesus who came back to life, the Jesus whose, whose face is so bright that I, if, he was, if I were to look at him now, I'd have to fall on my, my face before him. He's so holy and he's so, mag, he's so magnificent. He's so powerful. Jesus himself is walking with me and he's walking with my wife, Jody as we're walking on one of these beautiful uh, places here on the beach in New Zealand. And Jesus himself is saying, what do you want? What do you want? It'd be like if my phone rang. So my phone rings. Hello? Hey, David. This is Bill Gates. Hey, Bill. What do you want, David? Well... Um, you know, I'm a little behind on my rent. You know, and I could, I could use some new tires on my car. You know, maybe, maybe Bill, you could help me out with like $600 so I could get some new tires on my car. Really? Are you kidding me? If I got a call from Bill Gates and he said, what do you want? I'd say, I want a billion dollars, Bill. Come on. You see, when I start to understand who Jesus is, unreasonable requests will start to come into my heart. I can remember one time I was, I was in this room and I was crying out to Jesus. And I looked at a, and there was a map of the world on the wall. And I was really having a time. God, I need to, I, I want to see more of you in my life. And I looked to the wall. There's a map. And I felt like God said to me, go over to that, that map and put your finger anywhere you want in the world. Put your finger there, and I will send you there, and I will use you there. Can you imagine what would happen if we started to seek God like that? Can you imagine? What would happen in our lives if we would take this seriously? When I was with my sons, when they were going to college here in New Zealand, Paraparam College, we were, we were tired of just playing the game. So I went with my sons. And we went out into the, we'd go out at night 
We'd make these fires. So it was just me and my sons and some of their friends. We'd go out, we'd, we'd have these all-night times where we'd be crying out to God. We'd get a bunch of energy drinks, and we'd, you know, and when we needed a break, we'd go run around in the forest, and we made these fires. I don't know if it was legal, but we did. And we were saying, God, we pray for each other. We pray for, for they talk about their friends in their school. We pray for all we, things we were struggling with. We'd have these all-night prayer meetings until the sun would come up. And then, one of, and then while during this prayer meeting, one of them said, you know what? I think we need to get, we need a big marquee. We need to ask God for a big, big tent, you know, so we can do these big events on the Capitol Coast. And so we were starting to pray, God, give us, give us this big circus tent, someone's thought. So we started praying, God, we want a big circus tent so we can reach our friends. And God gave us this big marquee. And then we said, God, we need a big stage. We want a massive stage. We need, the, we need all the materials for this stage. God gave us a stage. God, we need a truck that we can put the stage in. And so God gave us a truck and then we started doing these events and my son started, one of my sons started a band and, and all of their friends from their college were coming. Sometimes we'd have 500, 500 of their friends coming to our events every month. People radically coming to Jesus. When will we understand who Jesus is? Why do we keep asking for tires? Why do we, why is our, our faith so small? Why do we believe for so little? When the God of the universe actually is there and hears me. And he wants to answer prayers that'll bring glory to him. I'm telling you, if we started to seek God this way, it would revolutionize everything. Some, you know, some of Jesus' followers, they came to him and they said, so how should we approach God? How should we pray? His disciples came to Jesus. How should we pray? How should we approach God? And so Jesus told this parable in Luke 11. So Jesus said this to them. This is, this is an example of how you should pray. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, and he has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of the shameless audacity, because of his boldness, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So it's like this. You know, back then people would go to bed pretty much as soon as it was dark. So I think in our, put it in our cultural context, it'd be more like three o'clock in the morning. Okay. It's three o'clock in the morning and you get a knock on your door and someone says, you know, and, and so these neighbors come, these people come to visit you and you don't have any food. It's three o'clock in the morning. So you go to your, so you go, you go across the street to your neighbor and you ring their doorbell at three o'clock in the morning. I have visitors and I don't have any food. And you're, and then your neighbors are going, are you nuts? 
It's three o'clock in the morning. My kids are asleep. I'm in bed. You can give them some food in the morning. But this guy won't take no for an answer. He keeps ringing the doorbell, ringing the doorbell, ringing the doorbell. And finally, Jesus said, because of his boldness, probably they weren't friends anymore. But because of his boldness, he gave him what he was asking for. We need to pray this way. I know this guy. I was speaking in Australia. That's a, it's another island. It's, yeah, you can almost see it from here. And uh, so I'm speaking there, and this guy came up to me in this church, and he said, so I, he's going, I was just so fed up with the kind of small faith, the small things I was seeing in my life. So I thought, that's it. And uh, he said he went into the bush. So he went out by himself into the bush. And he said, God, this isn't Mount Sinai, but it'll have to do. And I'm not getting on my knees either. And this, he got pushed to the ground. This, so he got back up again. And some, something pushed him to the ground again. And he got back up again. And he told me that he was crawling around this tree like a dog. And the power of God fell on him. And he said his whole life was changed and transformed. Because he started to seek God with a desperate heart. We are in desperate times. We can't have little prayer meetings anymore. We need to really cry out to Jesus and ask him to move. We can't pray like, like I learned in my Baptist church. We can't pray like this. Whatever your will is, God. God, whatever you want to do. No, this is not how Jesus told us to pray. He wants us to be bold in our prayers. He wants us to question him when things don't go, turn out the way that, that we we think they should. He wants a relationship. He wants to move in our lives. He wants to do supernatural things. But we have to get desperate. Bold requests honor God. I sometimes... I say, God, I'm so sorry that I dishonor you with such small, lame little prayers. Forgive me. No. We need to be like Jesus told us. We need to believe for something. Are you believing for anything outrageous? If you're not, you're dishonoring God. Because Jesus said that we need to be like the man who goes to his neighbor's house at midnight demanding bread.
I don't know how to end. Lord, thank you that you are so powerful. That you are, you, Jesus, are here. We're not talking to to the sky. You are here. You are alive. You hold the universe together with your power. You're above all principality, all power. Any any mistake I've made, any, you've, Because of the cross, I can be forgiven for any bad thing that I have done. And I can boldly go into your presence. And you are actually moved by my prayers. You are actually, you actually listen to us. That is just amazing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would start to stir some of us up. Because some of us here need to have some all-night prayer meetings. Some of us here need to cry out to Jesus in a different way. Because you want to do something supernatural in our lives. So Lord, let it happen. Don't let us keep praying the same kind of prayer. Start to let us pray bold prayers that bring glory and honor to you, Lord. Jesus' name, amen. One of the key verses in our mission is Hebrews 11.6. In order to have faith, we need to believe that God exists. So the first part of that is like, I have to really believe that God exists. Really believe it. I can't have faith if I don't really believe that he exists. And then the second part is that, that he rewards those who seek him with a desperate heart. Not sometimes, not maybe, but he rewards those who seek him with a desperate heart. He promises to reward us when we seek him with a desperate heart. And I can tell you that every breakthrough I've ever had in my life has come when I've sought God with a desperate heart. Every breakthrough. Whenever I've been at a place where I've, I've said, Jesus, I have to, I have to, I need an answer. I can't keep playing this game, Lord. He does reward those who seek him with a desperate heart. So, Lord, here we are, desperate. We need, a, I need, I need to know you more. I need to know of your reality, know more of your power. Lord, I pray for everyone here. 
that you will put inside of them this, this dissatisfaction with, it, with staying in the same place. Lord, that you will start to put unreasonable requests in their hearts. Bold requests. Maybe things that they haven't dared to even ask you for, Lord. To bring glory to you. So that your name can be lifted up in New Zealand. Lord, I pray that you would break us open, Lord. And have your way. And for anyone that's here and they've never surrendered to you, that they won't leave here tonight without surrendering their life to you, Jesus, that they won't waste another minute. And Lord, I pray for every dream, every desire, every plan that you have for every man and woman here tonight, I pray that 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 will happen in their life. And Lord, that you will start to open our eyes and let us see what it means to really be your your son or your daughter. That with you, there's nothing is impossible. With you, you can do anything. And you can even use people like us. So have your way, Lord. Have your way in my heart. Have your way in all of our hearts, Jesus. Amen.